0: Welcome to Master Your Money, the podcast that teaches you how to take control of your hard-earned money, all while living your best life. I am your host, Elizabeth Heiza, Chief Marketing Officer at the Barnum Financial Group. I once felt powerless when it came to managing my finances, and my attitude followed suit. Until one day, I changed my mindset, built up my knowledge, and put myself back into a financial position of power. And I started this podcast to provide you with the same education and advice that I received on my journey. Now, I wanna help you master your money. Okay, good morning, Master Your Money listeners. Welcome to today's episode. We are switching it up a little bit today. So this is going to be a real treat. Today, we are talking about mastering our health. So, you know, the show is always about mastering your money. And it's always about making smart, smart decisions to keep more money in your pocket and to create the life you want, how you want to live it. But in order to do that, in order to master anything at all, you need to master yourself. You need to feel your best. So we're switching it up a little bit today. And today's guest is the director of corporate wellness at SweatNet. And Michelle Mudge-Norris is going to talk to us about how the food we eat impacts our overall health and wellness. Michelle graduated from UNC Chapel Hill with a degree in exercise and sports science. And during her time at UNC, she was a member of the varsity diving team. But after a career ending back injury, Michelle found health and healing through exercise Nutrition and just building a healthy lifestyle. And it was because of that experience, she now feels called to educate everybody else on the power of food, movement, and lifestyle choices. Like I said, Michelle is the director of corporate wellness at SweatNet, which is a Charlotte based wellness company striving to improve the health and well being of busy professionals. Typically, she spends her days building and implementing custom wellness programs that are designed to fit the needs and culture of her clients. Um, If that is not enough, Michelle is a mom of a very busy toddler and also pregnant with baby number two. So she is certainly a very busy gal. And we so appreciate you being on the show today, Michelle.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, Liz, you gave a little bit of my story away, but I would love to start with that of why I got into this field because it is a pretty personal journey and why I'm so passionate about this topic.
0: Before we get into that, I have to share, Michelle, that Michelle recently spoke at one of our client exclusive events, which is an event we put on exclusively for the clients at Barnum. And she gave this presentation and she told her amazing story that she's going to tell you all now. And it was just mind-blowing. And I enjoyed every second of hearing it and so grateful that you shared your experience and then all the learning to go with it. So please, please go ahead.
1: Awesome. Let's jump right in. So I grew up a springboard and platform diver. So not like down to the bottom of the ocean, but that crazy person that's throwing themselves off the three-story platform, doing some flips and things on the way down. I got that gene from my dad, the Daredevil mm. gene. Uh, but unfortunately, I my sophomore year in college, I was a diver at UNC Chapel Hill down here in North Carolina. And I herniated a disc in my back for the third time. And I saw eight different doctors and they all told me, hey, if you want to pick up your kids in 10 years, we really recommend that you hang it up that was a hard day because that was everything to me. Michelle, I'm a diver. Michelle, I'm a diver at Carolina. That was your identity. That was my whole identity. And for anybody that was uh, an athlete or maybe a really high level musician or something where they had to give it up because life or something else got in the way, you can probably relate to what that feels like. And you just feel really lost. You feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I don't know how I'm going to uh, define myself. And so this was a really pivotal moment for me. I had to heal my back. How old were you, Michelle, when this happened? I was 19. That's young. That's young to deal with something like this. It was, yeah, it was really difficult because I was really depressed. Like if I think back on it. Because all of that time spent training with my best friends and teammates mm-hmm. in the weight room, in study hall, travel, your life was so structured and overnight you have all this free time. And if you're not careful, you're gonna get into serious trouble if you don't feel that fill that sure. time.
0: Sure. That's a great point. Yeah. When did you when did you start training? When did you start diving? How old were you? I
1: started How? diving when I was ten. Yeah. 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 So that's a long time. I was a gymnast before that and I had a very mean but loving in a weird way a russian coach (laughs) who basically said one day hey michelle you're a little too tall for this so you need to go find something else and so i another hard day Another hard day at ten. It was a little less hard, mm-hmm. but um, I transitioned all those acrobatic skills to diving. It was a pretty easy transition. It happens a lot for many divers that oh, okay. their original background is gymnastics. Okay, good. And yeah, so then just back to that period in college where I was trying to heal my back. I was presented by supposedly what are the some of the best healthcare professionals in the country with the option of surgery or bed rest. And at 19 years old, you really don't want to go under the knife or lay in bed for six months. Mm -hmm. So I had very fortunately, a very holistic strength and conditioning coach. He's still at Carolina today. He's the men's basketball strength and conditioning coach. And he said, why don't we try a different approach? Why don't we pull the inflammatory foods out of your diet? We're gonna do natural anti-inflammatories in the way of nutrition and supplementation. You can keep coming in the weight room. We're gonna train your core. We're gonna just keep your body moving. We're gonna do some of the, at the time the fringe things we were doing: far infrared sauna, deep water running, contrast baths, hot and cold. Just trying to decrease the inflammation that was going on in my back because of these injuries. These were recurring herniated discs. And so I said, "Yeah, that sounds amazing. I've got all this time. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it." And so I, I bought into what he was saying wholeheartedly. And within six months, I was almost a hundred percent better. No and way, like, really, really. I
0: that is the part of the story that I can't, I can't get over that. And I didn't realize the time frame. And I was going to ask you that. I don't remember that the first time I heard the story. That in that that pretty short period of time, it probably felt long at the time.
1: Right. It was definitely a long journey. But it was, I mean, it would have felt so much longer if I was laying in bed, right? Or if I went under the knife and then had to lay in bed. Sure. So I felt like I was moving forward every day. Yes. By implementing these things. And that was really good for my mental health.
0: Yes. Which is always really good for your physical health.
1: Right. Right. And so I I think anybody can relate to that. If you are taking steps to improve your health and well-being, it feels good. Maybe you don't reach your goal tomorrow, but you worked towards your goal, you didn't go backwards, you were moving forwards. And that feels good and I wanna use that to encourage people to, hey, take baby steps. We don't have to go in the pantry and clean out every bad thing tomorrow, but just maybe tomorrow we start drinking more water. Yep. And we do that for a little bit. And once we've got that down, then we start to go for a walk and we do that a couple of times a week. And then we start to ramp that up a little bit more. And so we can start to do that. And that's basically what my healing process was like. It was just taking small steps, moving forward to get to the ultimate goal of getting rid of this awful back pain. I mean, I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes, uh, TMI, but I couldn't shave my legs. That was like yeah. super painful <laughs> just to be in that hinging position. Uh. Gosh. Um, but anyways, fast forward a decade. I've got a little 17 month old. I pick up all the time pain free. Uh, I'm 21 weeks pregnant and I have no back pain. My husband owns a CrossFit gym. I'm still doing CrossFit five days a week. Thank goodness. Even, even with his belly. Yes. Um, and so I'm super blessed that I had such an incredible human guide me to this idea of holistic wellness. And so that's what got me into this career, essentially, is I got to tell people about this. I have to tell people about the power of their lifestyle choices, about the power of their food. That's the title of the presentation, which you heard, The Power of the Fork. Yep. So
0: tell us, tell us about The Power of the Fork. Tell us about what you did in those six months that consistently and over time made such a drastic difference in your present at the moment, all those years ago, but then affected your life today?
1: I definitely haven't looked back. So the things that I started implementing a decade ago are still around today. It's the way Mm -hmm. that I raise my kid. It's the way I feed my husband Uh, and we feel really good. And some of those things we were really focused on a decade ago were just decreasing the inflammation in my body. And systemic inflammation is something we have a problem with chronically across the country in our population today. So chronic inflammation is the root cause of about 80% of disease. So that includes diabetes, dementia, heart disease, arthritis, just to name a few. And Michelle, you don't need to
0: have a an awful injury like you had to have chronic inflammation, right? It's like you said, it's systemic. So the majority of Americans, the majority of people could be walking around with that type of inflammation at the moment.
1: Correct. So if you're dealing with anything that I just described, whether that's cognitive impairment, cognitive decline, memory issues, joint pain, gut issues. So if you've been diagnosed with the general IBS diagnosis or any sort of Crohn's or colitis, you're struggling with inflammation, high blood pressure, heart disease, all come back to inflammation. Inflammation. Mm -hmm. So whether that's genetic and you're trying to prevent it, or maybe you've already started down that journey a little bit, I don't want to discourage you because your lifestyle choices can help you move back towards health. You're not doomed. If you've been given the diagnosis of heart disease, it's not too late. Don't just say, oh, my doctor already told me I have heart disease. I can't do anything. I'm just going to take a statin forever. Mm -hmm. No, you can move back towards health and you can prevent those genes from showing up. I don't talk about this in the presentation, but I think it's a really important thing to note is that Duke University down here in North Carolina started studying the concept of epigenetics roughly 20 years ago. And essentially what that means is that just because you might have been given the gene for heart disease or breast cancer or high blood pressure doesn't mean that gene is necessarily going to present itself. So think about it like a light switch. So you can have that light switch stay turned off your whole life, that heart, maybe it's a heart disease gene, but you take care of yourself, which means you eat well, you manage your stress, you drink lots of water and you move your body and you sleep. Yes. And so you do those things, that gene, that light switch stays turned off your whole life and you never get heart disease. Yep. For a long time, we thought, okay, well, I've got the gene. My grandma had it. My mom had it. I'm doomed. There's nothing I can you're do. Doomed. Yep. You're not, you're not. We have to get out of that mindset. You have the power within you and your lifestyle choices to keep that gene turned off your whole life. And that's exciting.
0: That is so exciting. And that's an amazing piece of information that I had no idea about. I'm sure a lot of people have no idea about. So thank you for pivoting to that. Um, Epigenetics, that's wonderful. If anybody wants to go look that up a little further, but that is powerful. That puts you out of victim mode and puts you back into the driver's seat of your own health, wellness, and future.
1: That's absolutely right. So hopefully we can give you some tools today on what that road looks like to help keep those light switches turned off.
0: Yes. Let's, Let's dive in. So tell us, what do we need to do? Keep the inflammation down. How do we do that?
1: That's right. So I'm going to start with the simple truth. So these are four things that maybe we've misunderstood about our wellness for a while. The first being fats do not make you fat. Okay. So we were, are you sure? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure about 45% of my calories come from healthy fats. Uh, and that's how it should. That is a
0: misconception.
1: It is a total misconception. We got that wrong for over three decades. We were told if we eat fat, we're going to get fat, but really I want to get a little sciencey for a second. Mm -hmm. So don't let anybody's eyes glaze over. Don't turn the podcast off. Okay. (laughs) So Stick stick with us. Everybody, your body is made up of trillions of cells. Okay. Every single one of those cells has around the outside of it a protective fence, let's call it. And that fence is called your phospholipid bilayer. Right. Lipid is another word for fat. So that fence protects the cell, it controls what comes in the cell and what leaves the cell. So because it's made up of fat, we need healthy fat to build those healthy phospholipid bilayers. We're not eating enough fat. if our, our fat is coming from things like soybean oil, canola oil, vegetable oil, corn. Oil. bars,
0: things like that.
1: Yes. <laughs> then we're not going to be building those healthy fences around the outside of our cells. So we're setting ourselves up for disease at a cellular level. Yeah. We need healthy fats to build healthy cells. It's also a great source of energy. So healthy fats are things like avocado, coconut anything, coconut butter, coconut manna, coconut flakes. We've got full fat Greek yogurt. We've got nuts, grass fed beef, Applegate bacon. That's a good quality bacon, full fat sour cream, cheese. If you can tolerate dairy, I'll put a little asterisk there. Some of us can't tolerate dairy very well. Um, But all of those, we should be consuming one or two on a daily basis. Eggs are a great source of healthy fat. So don't be scared of fat. Buy the full fat version. And when you're making your nutrition choices, make sure that you're getting fat in on a daily basis.
0: Another great one. No one, I, I think a lot of people are scared of fat.
1: Yes. Another thing that we've done a poor job of is we've demonized carbs as a whole. Mm-hmm. We said carbs are bad. Mm-hmm. And that's very confusing because you know what's carbs? Brussels sprouts, apples. Mm-hmm beans Mm -hmm. all sources of carbohydrates so to say this blanket statement that carbs are bad we have to get away from that what i want to encourage you is that our carb sources should be complex les you know what that means
0: uh you know Michelle, I can always use a refresher and I don't know it well enough that I can explain it back to our listeners. So I'm going to
1: let you. Okay. So essentially what a complex carb is, is that it means it breaks down more slowly compared to a simple carbohydrate, and gives you longer lasting energy. Okay. Compare that to a simple carbohydrate. That's going to break down quickly, spike your blood sugar. You can't walk around with a blood sugar of 180. Yeah. What happens is your pancreas releases insulin. Insulin goes and gets that sugar, pulls it out of your blood and you have a big blood sugar crash. Liz, I bet you know what that feels like.
0: Yes. Yep, definitely. After you had a big lunch of like a burger and fries, you start to feel it around two o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I yes, definitely know Exactly. That
1: like. That's that infamous 230 feeling. Yeah. So yeah. you're tired, you're cranky, you crave more carbohydrates, you want yeah. to take a nap, you reach for an energy drink. A lot of times in that moment of weakness, we reach for something else that's full of simple carbs, a pack of abs and a soda. So what happens to our blood sugar then, Liz?
0: It goes up and then it goes down, which is so funny, Michelle, because sometimes you hear people say, I just need some sugar. Like I need that sugar rush. Like you can definitely maybe some folks are looking for that they think it maybe will wake them up um but it only does so temporarily and then the crash is even worse
1: that's right so in those moments when you feel like your blood sugar is really low reach for something like a piece of fruit um reach for a handful of almonds yeah reach for a guacamole packet with some simple Mills crackers, just get something on your stomach. Don't say, Oh, my blood sugar's dropping. I have to go have a soda. I
0: need a donut
1: immediately. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So <laughs> complex carbs, like you said, examples of them are our fruits are some vegetables uh, like brown rice.
1: Right. And I don't want to, um, say all fruit. So the most complex carbs of the fruit are the fruit with the highest fiber content. Okay. So that would be apples, berries, oranges, Gosh. pomegranate, things high in fiber because the fiber slows the breakdown of that fruit. Okay. I think about a banana, the most fibrous part of the banana is the peel. So unless you're a little bit wonky, you don't mm-hmm. eat the peel of the banana. So we're getting rid of the fiber and we're basically just eating the sweet, the sugary part. Okay. So not to say the bananas are bad by any means, but if we're talking about complex Mm -hmm. carbohydrates, that would not be considered one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So brown rice, sweet potato, brown rice, pasta, chickpeas, that chickpea Mm -hmm. pasta, banza, mm -hmm. quinoa, beans, lentils, any sort of dark green leafy vegetable, any squash, all good sources of complex carbs that are going to give us that long lasting energy and not spike the blood sugar
0: great And you're noticing like I'm noticing we go out to eat a lot. I have a young family as well, so we're always eating on the road. And when I think about it, there are so many more healthy options like this at restaurants um even in in kids meals. Um, so I think you know the word is getting out, Michelle, you're doing you're doing your your work because so many people are catching on and there are healthy options like this out there that do taste great.
1: You are absolutely correct. I actually just filmed a video for our newsletter. And the, I do like a question of the month. And the question of the month was, can we find any of these healthier brands for better prices at the big box grocery stores? And I started the video with five years ago. If you asked me this question, I would say, no, you have to go to whole foods and you have to spend Mm -hmm. your whole paycheck. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in that vein of finances, thankfully now we can go to Costco or Sam's or BJ's and find some of these healthy brands because people are voting with their money, right? They're speaking with their money by buying these healthy brands, which are making them in higher demand. So you can buy these, what originally were a little bit more expensive brands now for much better prices at some of those big box grocery stores because the demand is there, just like you said. Yep. I love it.
0: I love it. I recently became gluten-free and I'm noticing on every menu, there's a ton of gl- delicious gluten-free options. And my options for buying things at the grocery store are are fine. You just have to look for it. So um, it, it is very interesting to see that shift.
1: I'm grateful for it.
0: Me too. So fats don't make you fat. Choose complex carbs. What else can we do?
1: Right. Number three, let's talk about added sugar for a second. So added sugar is a major contributing factor to inflammation, contributing to the obesity epidemic. It's contributing to heart disease. It's contributing to inflammation within the brain, which leads to dementia. So this is something we want to take seriously. The average American right now is consuming roughly 90 grams of added sugar per day. Ninety grams. Compare that to what the World Health Organization recommends, which is twenty five grams of added sugar oh, max. So we are really overdoing it with the sugar consumption.
0: Where in your where is that coming from? Like where where what sources are we getting that added sugar from?
1: Because well, it's in everything. So it's in your ketchup, sixteen mm. grams of sugar per serving of barbecue sauce, thirty-nine grams of sugar in a can of coke. It's in your all-star tuna packets it finds its way and it's
0: find its way into everything
1: so if i can give you guys one takeaway anybody listening to this would be to start paying attention to the nutrition facts label and look at that line where it said includes blank grams of added sugar it's going to spell it out for you so we're not talking about natural sugar from fruit or natural sugar found in some dairy products we're talking about added sugar and back in 2020 we got a new nutrition facts label and food companies now have to be very transparent with you about how many grams of added sugar they're dumping in per serving so that's what you would use to get to that total of 25 you and like- the goal right get stay underneath 25 i tell people spend it however you want but the goal being underneath 25 grams of added sugar per day
0: Okay. And whatever is in the, like a sweet, like, let's just use a barbecue sauce, not mentioning any, any name in particular, but, um, whatever is added. So is that, does that mean there's just existing sugars in there naturally? And we're just focused on what sugar is being added to that.
1: So, right. in something like a barbecue sauce, you'd be correct because sometimes they use things like dates mm-hmm. to make a barbecue sauce and there's mm-hmm. natural sugar. That's a fruit. So that's got it. A- natural sugar. But for many of Americans, we have a very, um, maybe I don't want to say immature palate, but we have a palate Mm -hmm. that loves sweet things and Mm -hmm. food companies know that. And so they dump in extra sugar to one, make their foods addictive, keep you coming back and make that food nice and yummy for us. Got it. So In the total sugars, it might say 12 grams. And then in the added sugars beneath that, it might say 10 grams. So of the 12 total grams, 10 are added. Okay.
0: Oh, got it. So if we're looking at our total sugar consumption for a day, should that total sugar consumption be in that that 25 grams or is that different?
1: No. So the total sugar is going to include both the natural sugar and the added sugar. We're only looking at that line that says added sugar. Got it.
0: That's great. That's another great tip. I I have never, ever in my life paid attention to that. And I've certainly worried about the carbs I eat. I've certainly worried about um, the calories I'm consuming, like a million other things, my macros, a million other things. But I've never paid attention to that line.
1: It will blow your mind. Honestly, it, I'm really I'm honestly
0: it. scared. I'm honestly scared to see what this number looks like for me. I'm I'm hoping I'm less than ninety. It would be interesting if I'm if I am good and and below that twenty five. But we'll see.
1: So that's a homework assignment for you, Liz, and for everybody listening. 100%. Maybe you don't change anything you eat tomorrow, mm-hmm. but you just tally up how mm-hmm. many grams of added sugar you consume, and then we'll work on it from there. How
0: about Beautiful. That? Beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.
1: What's number four? (laughs) Okay. So, number four, our last one. This one is a tough one because I have a beautiful slide and I'm happy to share this with any listeners that are interested. But essentially, we have an issue with the chemicals, preservatives, and dyes that are allowed in our food. So, other countries around the world are much more strict about what they allow into their processed foods compared to the United States. We are very lax on the preservatives, additives, and dyes that go into our food. For example, there are two countries in Europe where there are no dyes allowed in food whatsoever. No yellow six, no red 40, no caramel coloring at all because of the negative consequences associated with those dyes. They are known, they've been researched. In the rest of the countries in Europe, if you have any dye in your product, you have to put a big warning label on the front. Contains yellow number six. Yep. Contains blue 40. Here in the United States, it's a free-for-all. Dye are allowed in any of our foods. If you think about the majority of foods that contain dye, Liz, do you know what what genre of foods
0: per se are we? I I, I would imagine because I have three kids that the majority of the food you're talking about is, is food consumed by children. That is correct. Because my children flock to those foods when I take them in the supermarket and certainly they flock to them in the pantry because of just how they look. First, I mean, everyone looks with eats with their eyes first. So how they look, they love the the bright reds, the bright greens, the bright blues, those colors. And then of course, when they taste them, they taste delicious. But I know I'm not the only parent who has felt the effect of a child who has consumed too much Red 40 or too much dye. And that is scary. As a parent, that's, that's scary to watch.
1: It is scary. And I wish we did a better job Just kind of making that decision for everybody, for everybody's health. Let's just say, hey, we're not going to do it. We're going to use beet powder to make things red. Everybody across the board. So that parents don't have this battle with, I'm at a birthday party. There's cupcakes. I don't want to be that mom that doesn't let my kid eat a cupcake. And I wish we could just be in an atmosphere where we didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. So what I tell parents is everything in moderation, you know, the 80-20 rule, try not to have it in the house. But if you do go to a birthday party or it's a after a a soccer game or something, don't create a complex in your kids and tell them that everybody else gets to eat it and you can't. I mean, obviously, that's a decision you have to make for your family. Yes.
0: Yes. It's, and that's a, that's a tough one. Um, And I'm sure Michelle, we could do a whole show, a whole nother show on the effects of mental health and our children's overall health when, you know, based on how much of of this type of food they consume, but are there any measurements there that parents could, could try um, to stay under? Are there any way to measure that or look for it on a label or what type of ingredients should they be looking for, or should they know to stay away from immediately?
1: So a couple red flags to look for when you're buying some of the kid foods or processed foods that are from a bag or a box, go right to the ingredient list. And number one, just read the ingredients. Mm-hmm. We tried to, a lot of times we can't, that's, so can't. that's red flag. Number one, okay. if it's big, long, complex words. That's red flag. Number one, red flag. Number two is if the ingredient list is pretty long. If the ingredient list is 20 things, then that food is what we call Franken food. It's not a real food. It was made in a factory. It's not going to produce health in you or your kiddos. And it's something we eat in moderation, or maybe yep. this doesn't even make its way into our house. A few specific words to look for in that ingredient list would be any of those dyes, so any of the coloring. And then another one would be it's abbreviated usually as BHT, butylated hydroxytouline. It's a preservative. It's shown to cause cancer. It affects your neurological system. Basically, it keeps foods good through the zombie apocalypse.
0: And so that's a big one to
1: look out for. Aspartame and sucralose. I really want to make people aware of both of these. So, aspartame is the sweetener in diet soda, that's the main place you're going to find it. It's very toxic to the body. And then sucralose. This is one that we're overlooking. This is the sciencey word for splenda. So, splenda is the same thing as sucralose, and we really want to do our best to minimize our exposure to both. So, if something says that it's sugar free, but it tastes sweet, we need to question where is that sweetness coming from? If it's not sugar, what is it? Is it an artificial sweetener like sucralose? That's typically the last ingredient. It's in a lot of protein bars, protein powders, sports drinks. Things that claim to be sugar-free, but still taste sweet.
0: In those situations, Michelle, you're better off just eating real sugar, like something with sugar in the raw, right? Just something in its natural state is better than a Franken, right? Anything manufactured.
1: That's right. That's right. So if you are going to Dunkin' Donuts, you get yourself a black coffee, and then you're going to put something in it to make it sweet. And your options are Splenda, Equal, or Real Sugar. Pick the real sugar. Yes. Yes yep so aspartame and sucralose those are two words you want to look for in sugar-free products we've got bpa and phthalates so that word phthalates it's ph it's spelled with a ph um so i want you to look out for that those are both uh linked to early puberty and females and reproductive problems and low testosterone in males and okay, so, most of our water bottles, most of our cans that we buy today are thankfully BPA free, but just do a double check. And then, lastly, MSG, monosodium glutamate. It's in a lot of those franken foods, packaged foods, frozen meals. Okay. It's linked to headaches, depression, gut issues, fatigue, and obesity.
0: That's a lot of red flags to look out for.
1: Yes. So unfortunately, all of those things I just listed are actually illegal in at least one other country around the world, but allowed in our food in the United States. So we have to be informed consumers. So I'm glad you guys are listening to this. Kudos to you. Write those words down, go to the grocery store, take your little list with you and start to be aware of what foods are coming home or what chemicals are coming home to your pantry. Yeah.
0: And if I'm hearing correctly, as I listen, it's a lot of foods of convenience, so if you're grabbing a frozen dinner on the go, and sometimes that's life, believe me, you know, you have 10 minutes to put something frozen in the oven and to give your kids something quick. So I have definitely done that more than a few times. And of course, now I'm listening to this regretting every time I did it, but it is life at some moments. Um, and even though there are other options out there, I think we have to realize that we ha- this will take effort. So taking the time to take a second to be mindful and read a label, understand what type of terms to look out for. And I loved your first two. If you can't read them or if there's a lot of ingredients, probably best to put it down and to move on to something else. So for, you know, to me, that was my biggest takeaway. But I think everyone listening is realizing that this will take a little bit of effort up front. But then eventually, Michelle, it could become habitual.
1: Absolutely. And not to take away from investing in money, because you should definitely do that. But investing Mm. in your health, that's the best investment you'll ever make. So whether that's a time investment, this morning I was roasting spaghetti squash at 6.30 in the morning because I've got a busy afternoon and I don't have time to make dinner when I get home. We're going to have spaghetti squash spaghetti that I made at 6.30 this morning. So it's a little bit of planning ahead, thinking about what does my day look like? Am I going to be trying to do dinner on the go? Okay, I have 30 minutes now. I can make something so having those grab and go options, whether it's a clean eats meal, like a meal prep service, just for those nights where we didn't have time. And instead of reaching for a freezer meal we got at the grocery store, we have some prepped meals from a meal prep service. I love recommending that because that's life. It is life.
0: It is life. And I love your statement. You know, being smart with your money is, of course, so important to your present and your future but even more so being smart with your with your health being smart with your children's health is even more important. So Michelle this was just a wonderful. So much wonderful information, so much good information. Thank you for all the great work that you and your colleagues do at SweatNet. And Michelle, is it okay if we add your presentation in the show notes as well so that way if folks want to take a deeper dive into any of your slides they can?
1: Please, that would be great and my contact information is on that last slide if you have any personal questions. I'd love to address those with you. I understand that wellness is a really personal journey. So everybody has a different walk there. I hope that people will reach out if they have questions or if they want to see a list of those chemicals that we discussed. I know they were long words and there's a lot of information there. So I'd be happy to be a resource for anybody interested.
0: Perfect. And thank you for that. And folks, she means it. I've reached out to Michelle randomly with these random questions and she is responsive and she is non-judgmental, and she gives you great information. So she really does mean if you have questions, go ahead and reach out. And thank you for being on the show today.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Beautiful. So what I'll do, I'll put
0: Michelle's contact information in the show notes and anybody can go ahead and reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Liz. Of course. Thank you for listening to Master Your Money. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Every little bit helps. You can also follow us on our Instagram at Barnum Financial Group. If you're interested in connecting or working with a financial advisor at the Barnum Financial Group, the links are in the show notes of this episode. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484,
1: telephone number 203. 513-6000. Five one three six thousand.